It's the second inning, and you've just been called from the bullpen as a reliever. The starting pitcher just gave up a double and a single to start the game, and your manager needs you to get your team out of the inning. As you take the mound, you look at the upcoming batters for your opponent, the New York Yankees. Next up, the legendary Babe Ruth. If you somehow get around him, the great Lou Gehrig is on deck. An impossible situation for any reliever. So what do you do? Pitch like a girl. The story of Jackie Mitchell on today's episode of Rounders, A History of America's Game. Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Lambert. I want to thank you for tuning in to episode two as we keep the good times rolling. Last week we talked about baseball's origins and I appreciate all the feedback that people gave me both on Apple Podcast Reviews and on social media. Just a reminder again, if you'd like to get daily updates on what's happening here at the podcast, as well as some tidbits about baseball history, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast. So for episode two, I was struggling with the topic. I had read a lot about different things, and I was really trying to narrow down, what do I do for episode two? And I started off by researching Eddie Geidel, who I decided to wait till a later episode to do because his story is just depressing, honestly. But uh, interesting nonetheless. But I wanted to go with something a little less known for this episode. And so I'm thinking, and I'm reading, and I'm trying to figure out what to do, and my wife says, why don't you do something on that girl, that girl that played baseball without anybody knowing? And I'm thinking, I've never heard of that story. Are you sure that actually happened? She's like, yeah, it happened. Look it up. Look it up. So I went online and I started looking and I couldn't find anything about a girl impersonating a man to be able to play baseball. But I did come across the story of Jackie Mitchell, which I thought was an excellent story to begin with. So we're going to be talking about Jackie Mitchell today. So we need to go back to the late 1920s, early 1930s. This is a turbulent time in American history. The Great Depression was just underway. We were at the tail end of the Roaring Twenties, which brought unprecedented wealth to many Americans in the United States. So we went from a high point to a low point in terms of economic prosperity for Americans. And into this world, a lot of people looked to baseball as an escape to their daily troubles and issues. And Jackie Mitchell was someone who was able to have an opportunity to be able to play baseball and use that opportunity to not only accomplish something amazing, but I think to also push the envelope forward in giving anybody besides a white male a chance to be able to participate and become a well-known figure in the game of baseball. Now, when we go back to this time period, we see mass media really becoming a commonplace thing during this time. Radios were becoming commonplace in everyone's homes. We had newspapers, which had already been prevalent across the country, how most people got their news. But we see the ability for stories that captured the nation's attention to be able to easily spread more easily, especially during the early years of the Great Depression. 
and baseball especially held a special place in people's hearts during this time because it was a form of escapism from what was happening around them. Baseball was a popular sport, obviously, in America during this time, and if you couldn't afford to go to the games and you had a radio at home, you could switch it on and you could listen. So into this world, we have Jackie Mitchell. Jackie's story should have been on every front page and every radio show in the country. But it's only become more celebrated in recent times, as opposed to when it originally happened. So why is that? Well, before we get into Jackie Mitchell's story, let's look at her journey to Major League Baseball, because this wasn't a publicity stunt. Jackie was the real deal. So Jackie was born in 1913 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Her official name was Vern Beatrice Mitchell Gilbert. I couldn't find anything about where she got the name Jackie, but that's what she was widely known as during her playing career. Her father, who owned a medical practice, would often take Jackie to the local baseball diamond when she was young and would teach her the basics of the ball game. So she started at a very young age growing a love for the game of baseball and learning about the rules and how to play the game. As she grew older, the family moved to Memphis, and their next-door neighbor actually turned out to be a man named Dazzy Vance. Dazzy was a major league pitcher, and he was also a future Hall of Famer. So he was an excellent player during this time. He supposedly took a liking to Jackie and taught her more about the game of baseball, and in particular, taught her how to pitch. So Dazzy was famous during this time for a pitch that he used called the drop ball, which is similar to a sinker in today's game. He supposedly taught Jackie how to throw this pitch. So fast forward to age 16, and Jackie decided, with the support of her parents, to try out for a local ladies team known as the Angelettes. The team was named after their owner, a guy named Joe Engel, and Engel was the chief scout for the Washington Senators, and he had also recently purchased a men's double-A team known as the Chattanooga Lookouts, which are still in operation today. The Washington Senators were a serious contender during this time in the American League. They regularly made the playoffs during the 1920s, and so Engel was hoping to bring that same success to this new team that he had ownership of, the Chattanooga Lookouts. Now, Jackie, before she stepped on and was signed to the Lookouts, more on that later, she was an athletically gifted young woman. She played baseball for the Angelettes during the spring and summer and was known as one of their best players. And when baseball season was not in full swing, she suited up for a traveling women's basketball team and played across the country during the wintertime. She became well-known enough that she was invited to attend an all-male baseball training school in Atlanta at age 16. There were some scouting reports on her that survived, She was known to have a nasty sidearm throw, and one reporter said she would wind up the ball as if she were turning a coffee grinder. So you've seen those old-time cartoons where someone winds the ball up like a windmill and then throws it? She had a similar delivery to that. The Chattanooga News ran a profile on her at age 16, and they said, and I quote, She uses an odd sidearm delivery and puts both speed and curve on the ball. Her greatest asset, however, is control. She can place the ball where she pleases, and her knack at guessing the weakness of a batter is uncanny. 
She doesn't hope to enter the big show this season, but she believes that with careful training, she may soon be the first woman to pitch in the big leagues. Her father supported her dreams of playing baseball 100%, and he actually wrote down in one of his journals his own scouting report on his daughter. And he said that he, excuse me, she has one of the most deceptive pitching deliveries. She hits fair and fields way above the average that a boy of her age can field. So Jackie's at this clinic. She's honing her skills. And during this clinic's uh, practices, Joe Engel, the owner of the Lookouts and the scout for the Washington Senators, is at these clinics, and he notices Jackie. She catches his eye, supposedly for her good play, and the fact that she was a woman playing a man's sport during this time. So we fast forward to 1931, and Engel, who was known as a showman and a promotionist, loved his lookouts, and he was always on the prowl to try and find a successful promotion drive. So he was able to book the powerhouse New York Yankees from the American League to play his double-A team, the Chattanooga Lookouts. The New York Yankees were traveling through Chattanooga, and he was able to get a deal where they would stop and play his team. And the goal of this was obviously to sell out seats. And that worked. We'll get to more of that in a second. So with one week before this game against the Yankees, Engel called Jackie up and offered her a formal contract to play for the Chattanooga Lookouts. Now at the time... Jackie was in Dallas, Texas, and she was at a basketball tournament, because remember, she played basketball during the offseason on a traveling team. She was so excited, she dropped everything, and she headed straight to Chattanooga. After she signed the contract, she told reporters, this chance is an answer to a dream. I have to make good. She went on to tell reporters after signing the contract that she wanted to use the money to help pay for college tuition. And to settle down, some nervous spectators said that her mother would accompany her on all road trips to keep her safe. So she has one week, just signed with the baseball team, to get ready for this game. So the day of the game arrives. Jackie had a chance to meet Lou, the Iron Horse Gehrig, and Babe, the Great Bambino Ruth, during warm-ups between the two teams. They shook hands, and they took pictures for reporters. Now, she wasn't slated to start this game because she was officially listed as being laid up with a sore arm. And this was probably due to the fact that her arm was out of shape because she had been playing basketball all winter. And she probably overdid the training in that short week she had between signing her contract and this big game between the New York Yankees. So she was not officially labeled to start, but the press and media were on hand because not only did they have two of the biggest names in baseball from the Yankees here, they also had... Uh, Jackie Mitchell, a female pitcher. So the Lookouts had decided to start another pitcher in their rotation. His name was Clyde Barfoot. And Barfoot got off to a rocky start, expectedly. He gave up a double, and then he gave up a single. So without a second thought, the Lookouts manager signaled to the bullpen, and he signaled to bring out, as a Baltimore Sun reporter recalled, the snip-nosed, blue-eyed girl. Another Washington Post reporter later recalled in his article that without so much as a powdering of her nose or seeing if her lipstick was on straight, Jackie strode to the mound. Now, let's stop and recap here. Jackie was brought in with a man on first and third in the top of the first inning with a sore arm 
and she's about to face the heart of the Yankees lineup coming to the plate. This was one of the best teams in baseball history. They were nicknamed Murderer's Row, and for good reason. Jackie was about to face two future Hall of Famers, the faces of baseball during this time, and still to this day, back-to-back. So first up was Babe Ruth. He steps into the batter's box, and as a show of sportsmanship, tips his hat to Jackie. A reporter at the game stated that Babe assumed an easy batting stance. Jackie went into her motion and delivered her trademark sinker. Ruth let it pass for a ball. The counts 1-0. With her next pitch, Babe swung and missed the ball by a foot. He missed the next one on a hard swing, too. Angrily, Babe stepped out of the box and asked the umpire to inspect the ball. So facing a 1-2 count, Ruth watched as Mitchell's pitch caught the outside corner for a called strike three. The New York Times reported that Babe flung his bat away in high disdain and trudged to the bench, registering disgust with his shoulders and chin. Jackie Mitchell, a 17-year-old girl, just struck out Babe Ruth. Next up was Lou Gehrig. Now Lou, the Iron Horse, had batted 341 in the previous season, and he had tied Babe Ruth for the league lead in home runs. Jackie threw three straight pitches, and Lou struck out. The Baltimore Sun stated that Lou Gehrig went back to the dugout hearing Jackie's girlfriend squealing delightedly from the stands. Two down. The fifth hitter in the lineup was a guy named Tony Lazeri, and Lazeri was no slouch either. He was an all-star, and he was a future Hall of Famer. Jackie threw four straight pitches at Lazeri, all of them balls. He took first base. The bases were loaded with two outs. Lookout's manager decided that he was going to pull Mitchell from the game, citing that her sore arm was obviously used up. Jackie left the mound, which he obviously was followed by booming cheers from the crowd. Now the Yankees went on to pound the Lookouts 14-4 in this game, but nobody cared. Everybody wanted to talk about Jackie Mitchell, the girl who struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back-to-back. How is this not a widely discussed and celebrated moment in baseball history? I don't understand. There has to be more to this. Let's take a quick break for the seventh inning stretch, and we'll be right back to talk about it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Rounders Podcast. Again, that's one word, Rounders Podcast. You'll get photos, quotes, and short event summaries from baseball's rich past, and you'll get these on a regular basis. I also want to hear from you about topics that you'd like to see covered, so keep in touch and follow me. 
I've also started a Patreon account, so if you'd like to support this podcast financially and you'd like to see more episodes, I'd appreciate your support. Just $1 to $2 a month goes a long way towards helping me upgrade equipment and pay the bills so I can focus on putting together more content for your enjoyment. Members contributing 5 or more dollars a month will receive perks such as show notes with photos and research references, extra episodes, and regular live Q&A sessions with me. If you're interested in giving, just go to patreon.com and search for Rounders Podcast. A link is also available in the show notes. That's all for now. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the episode. Thanks for taking a moment to listen through those advertisements. I just want to say, if you feel like buying me a bottle of Honest Tea or just want to throw me a couple dollars because you like the podcast, every amount is appreciated. If you can head over to my Patreon.com page, again, it's Rounders Podcast. One, two, three dollars a month makes a huge difference. But let's get back to Jackie. Jackie just struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back to back. How was she not on every radio show in the country after accomplishing that? Sadly, this moment did not even become widely celebrated until the 21st century. Why is that? Well, after reading through many different articles on this and looking into some of the history of this, I think it's plain and simple. Jackie was a woman. And a woman could not be seen making short work of baseball's two titans. So once the day after the headlines ran, the story was buried. Let's take a look at some of the newspaper stories that were run shortly after the game. The Washington Post reported that, and I quote, Jackie probably remembered by that time that she was a woman, and after all the excitement, she undoubtedly wanted to go off and have a good cry, so they let her retire from the game. The New York Times wrote that Babe Ruth performed his role very ably by striking out before the delighted Chattanooga crowd and Lou Gehrig took three hefty swings as a contribution to the occasion. Already we start to see a movement amongst the media to discredit Jackie's accomplishment, to make this seem like it was all staged. The third baseman for the New York Yankees, Ben Chapman, who was due to bat when Mitchell was pulled from the mound, told reporters, I had no intention of striking out. I plan to hit the ball. He also stated that he suspected Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig struck out just to go along with the gag. It was a good promotion, a good show, Chapman said. It really packed the house. Even Babe Ruth, after the game, was quoted as saying that, I don't know what's going to happen if they begin to let women in baseball. Of course, they'll never make good. Why? Because they're too delicate. It would kill them to play ball every day. There was a New York Times article published a day before the exhibition game between the Yankees and the Lookouts, and it described Babe Ruth as as being greatly perturbed at even the thought of women entering professional baseball. Less than a week after this exhibition game, Mitchell was demoted from the Lookouts to the Junior Lookouts, which was a traveling team lower on the totem pole. The common theory that's accepted on a lot of websites was that baseball's commissioner at the time, Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, actually voided Jackie's contract 
but there's no proof that this actually happened. But whatever happened, Mitchell would never face a major league player again. The commissioner of the minor leagues, when asked about that game later on, simply stated that the game featured, and I quote, an appearance of a female mound artist, and that it was lamentable, burlesquing the national pastime, and it was akin to greased pig contests, hot dog eating competitions, and other ballpark promotions. As time went on, later baseball fans and historians quickly labeled the whole thing as a hoax. It was a promotion that Joe Engel, the team owner, cooked up, and he got Gehrig and Ruth to go along with it. Even modern historians, such as Deborah Shattuck, who is a historian of women's baseball, stated that I really doubt Jackie could hold her own at that level. John Thorne, who was the official historian for Major League Baseball, vigorously agreed with this. He said that Babe and Lou Gehrig were both in cahoots with Joe Engel and that they went along with the stunt and it did no harm to their reputations to participate. He's quoted as saying, The whole thing was a jape, a jest, a Barnum-esque prank. Jackie Mitchell striking out Ruth and Gehrig is a good story for children's books, but it belongs in the pantheon with the Easter Bunny and Abner Doubleday inventing baseball. So, was Jackie a pawn of a promotional hoax? Or was she a victim of a misogynist baseball culture at that time? Well, why don't we start with Jackie herself? She insisted those strikeouts were legitimate, and she kept saying it until she passed away in 1987. She gave an interview a few years before she died, and she said, and I quote, Why, hell, they were trying damn right. Hell, better hitters than them couldn't hit me. Why should they have been any different? Remember Tony Lazeri? the guy that Jackie walked before she was pulled from the game. He claimed that he went to that plate, quote, looking to hack the ball. He wasn't looking to strike out. Yankees pitcher Lefty Gomez, who was on the team at the time, said that his manager, Joe McCarthy, was so competitive that he wouldn't have instructed the Yankees to strike out under any circumstance. Lou Gehrig was widely, widely known as a guy who couldn't be easily bought or persuaded to embarrass himself or his beloved Yankees. Ray Robinson, who wrote a biography on Lou Gehrig, said that, quote, Gehrig thought the rules had to be strictly obeyed and that a man was not entitled to breathe too freely. He adhered to a moral code loftier, certainly, than the babes. So that leaves Babe Ruth. Babe was known for taking part in vaudeville schemes and odd promotions like this, so it wasn't out of character for him to strike out on purpose. But let's remember that Ruth had already made his supposed cash by the time that he did the interview where he defended baseball's need to stay male only. And let's not forget that Ruth's striking out wasn't exactly a rarity. He struck out 1,330 times in his career, and he led the league in that category five times. Tim Wiles, who's a Baseball Hall of Fame researcher, stated, quote, Even hitters as great as Ruth and Gehrig would be reluctant to admit they'd really been struck out by a 17-year-old girl. He also went on to say that, quote, Much of batting has to do with timing and familiarity with a pitcher, 
and everything about Jackie Jackie Mitchell was unfamiliar to Ruth and Gehrig. Another baseball historian named Joseph Wallace stated that Mitchell had the pitching arsenal to accomplish the task of striking out Babe and Lou. He said, quote, Do I believe the first time they ever faced each other that she had the best chance with some sort of pitch that sunk? Yes. Wallace also stated that he wonders if the baseball establishment during that time felt, quote, a certain amount of professional discomfort that caused them to jam the story into a drawer years ago. Let's remember, Jackie was an athletic, talented pitcher. She wasn't a sideshow like Eddie Guidel. She had a background in the sport. She had a pitch taught to her by a Hall of Famer. She was a lefty who threw sidearm. She was a successful pitcher with a professional career that lasted seven years. At her peak, later on, she was making $1,000 a month playing with a traveling baseball team. But unfortunately, in the end, we don't know much about Jackie's career after that game. She was a private person, and she didn't try to extend on her short-lived fame. At age 27, she retired from baseball, and she went back to work in her father's office. But it could have happened. Jackie deserves more attention. And that game deserves more research, scrutiny, and celebration. What if she continued pitching for the lookouts? Could she have become a household name? Maybe helped cement women's place in baseball? Every little girl and boy deserves to know Jackie Mitchell's name. As much as every child hears about Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, Jackie's story is an inspiration for all budding athletes because she personifies hard work, dedication, and having the grit to stand down giants. Well, that's the ball game, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. Make sure to check back next week for another episode of Rounders, a history of America's pastime. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. <laughs>